Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. It's my mate, Bot Toaster. Hello, welcome back to the final episode of the series. Oh, sad times, sad times. Uh, luckily, though, it's good news because I've got a fantastic guest who I've been hounding for ages and she's finally joining me on the show. Uh, it's the wonderful Izzy Sutty. Hello, Izzy, how are you? Hello. I think I, I think this is the most rescheduled any podcast I've ever done. Is that a record is. for me? I'm thrilled with that. <laughs> Yes. Not because I didn't want to do it, just because things kept coming up, didn't they? Then I had the super cold and I was like, mm. I think I texted you and said I sound like I'm underwater. Mm. And I think it's important not for, for no one to listen to you when you sound that bad. I hate sounding. Oh. It's, there's nothing worse when you put the radio on and you hear, I'll tell you who does it, Jeremy Vine does it. He'll have a cold and he'll power through. And it's like, mate, you sound her. You may feel okay, but... To listen to, it's not a pleasant experience. <laughs> it's You know, my dad never took a day off work. That was like his thing of I've never taken a day off work. But actually, I don't necessarily think that's a good thing these no. days. Like, I feel like in the 60s, never take, I never take a day off work. You sort yeah. of go, oh, great, well done. But now it's like, mate, take a day off work. What, yeah. ne- watch Netflix, <laughs> get into bed. Yeah. You sound, it's, yeah. <laughs> that is a very boomer approach, isn't it? I, oh, definitely. It, it's it's the Monty Python Holy Grail sketch with the, it's just a scratch. Don't worry about it. It's fine. Like no, just step off, guys. Step off. <laughs> yeah. Although I think I do it a little bit too easily sometimes. I'm like, I can't possibly. Not that I did that with this. Yeah. Six six reschedules is a definite <laughs> record for me. Is it? You know, looking at my diary, going, oh, I've got Izzy for toaster in today. It won't happen. So I'll just organise some golf instead. And, and lo and behold, there I am on the second tee. Well, I get the I'm message. Doing you a favor. <laughs> exactly, yeah. exactly. I have been filming something. I haven't just been. Sounding like I'm underwater. No, and it's um, it's yeah. brilliant what you're filming, but we're not going to talk about that. Okay, so listen, here we go, Izzy. I've got your uh, Amazon account open. It's in front of me. You don't need to have it open in front of you. We're just going to have a little look through, a little browse through, okay? How are you feeling about that? Everything fine? Perfectly it, calm? Yeah, it is weird. Like I said to Ellis before I sent the link through, I'm actually going to send him... Also, I think it's probably the most juvenile password you've ever had, is Superb it? Superb password. Well, Jason Manford's password was Tom Price's a knob, which he has assured me he's changed now. <laughs> uh, but it might still be... Actually, so that fancy, is a password no one would ever guess. I don't know. There's a lot of people feel that way. <laughs> actually, would the whole world guess it? Exactly. Um, but yours is yours is pure filth. And we, sadly, we can't repeat it because it's yours to stay, right? You're going to keep this password. Well, yeah, and you said, did you change it just for this? But actually, no, that's just my sense of humour now. I've got two small children and that's the extent of it. Um, yeah, I feel a bit weird about it. Like I said to Ellis, am I going to give him... Just he, I said, he said that I can either send him a kind of curated version of what I've bought or I can just send him. And I did think about doing the curated version. And I thought, actually, no, it's a bit more interesting just to give him the password. But it's thank a bit you. weird. Yes, thank you. Exactly. You're taking the leap. This is exactly what I try to encourage. And most guests do do that. They just hand the stuff over and trust me, which is so stupid. Um, but you know what? There's, there's, I've had a little browse through and there's no there's no skeletons in this closet. There is, however. Uh, the first purchase you made, Izzy, right? We're going to go right back to 2007. Okay. okay. So 14 wow. years ago, October 2007. Um, and you bought a film, okay? Uh, this is a movie called... Pave Lakim, which translates as the Traveller Girl. Yeah. Wow. That's my first ever purchase. How amazing. I've still got that. I got it on DVD because I think yeah. that was before you could pour, before Prime Video. You probably know better than me. Streaming was a dream at that point. Yeah. 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 This this was this was this is a material physical object of the film. Yeah. Yeah. Um Pave Lakin is an amazing film that's kind of as I remember it, I haven't seen it for a long time, since probably October 2007, a part documentary, a part feature film. So they sort of got... So um, Pavi Lakin is the character of a girl who's part of a traveller family and they've got a community of travellers to be the actors in it. And I don't, as I remember, think they've done any acting. 
but mm. it's sort of and that's the kind of film that I really like so it's got this sort of slight dogma element to it where a bit of it's improvised yes. and it's not yes. lit very well and it's kind of caught on the hoof but there mm. is a plot to it as well so it isn't a documentary and mm. um, I haven't ever seen anything else like it actually I re- I'm much like you I'm always drawn to films where you feel like like I don't really like superstars in films I don't like actors who I know it yeah, was a real thing well that's really the like- problem about doing stand up isn't it we know I can't watch a British thing without going oh that's so <laughs> and I find it really do you can you kind of uh, yeah can you concentrate after you know no once I once I see Jack Whitehall playing uh, <laughs> some random I don't know who it is in the there's the Jungle Cruise film that's just come out and he's you know, it's it, or, or James Corden popping up, or you know, because the, there's two elements to this. There's the element where I'm like, "Fuck, how did you get that?" But also, mainly the main element, he lies, is just it just breaks the illusion big time. Um, yeah, and also not saying anything against those two. I've not met James Corden, but the hard thing is if you know someone's a bit of a dick and you see yeah. them in something, and you're like, "Oh, they were in a dressing room once. They took the last." croissant yes. I've never had a croissant yes. in a dressing room before stand up but you know what I'm saying um, or they introduced me and they wound the mic lead around the mic and then put it into the stand so that when I got on I had to unwind it which is such a classic horrible compare trick isn't it and then you once you know that you're like yeah. oh god like they're paying yeah. a nice person and I can't yeah, yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's a very um, it's very important that stand-ups bear a grudge for the most minor indiscretion. Oh, but my in God. Fact, I remember things that happened ridiculous. in open mic nights in, like, 2003. Do you? Uh, seriously, I recently um, ended up at a pub with someone who uh, I had beef 20 years ago. 20, 21 years ago, he was a dick at an open mic night. He was a dick to the audience. He was pissed and he was a dick. And I saw him recently and my mutual friend was like, oh, you don't like him, do you? And I was like... What it, this happened in? I've been in London for four weeks, and I literally haven't seen him since, like twenty years ago. And within minutes, we talked about it, and it was obviously fine. But you, you hold on to these things. No, you do. It's good that you talked about it, though, because I've got. There's another stand-up who said to me, "This is probably." T- 10 years ago in Edinburgh, mm. um, she said, "Oh, I came to see your show," and I was like, "Oh," and then she went, "Yeah," <laughs> and I was like, "Okay." Well, and, and I was it really vulnerable. Anyone listening to this who, who isn't a stand-up and hasn't done Edinburgh will think uh, it's not a real job doing Edinburgh. But it does sort of send you a bit off the rails, doesn't it? Being up there and, yeah. be, you know, kind of um, being so obsessed with your own show and sales. And also we're normally losing tens of thousands of pounds as well. Mm. And um, it really, really stuck with me. <laughs> yeah, mm. toxic combo. Um, and I cannot let it go. And... My friends find it really funny that I can't. My friends in stand-up that I just, but I cannot let it go. <laughs> it was just that, ridiculous. yeah, you know, to go, yeah. But don't it's you like think... if someone said, I love you, and you just went, yeah. Mm-hmm. 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 But there is the, any, any, any conversation anyone has about your artistic output, no matter what it is, but especially a stand-up at Edinburgh, that is as intimate and fraught as a I love you conversation. That's yeah, what people have to understand. It's worse. worse. It's worse. <laughs> uh, because there's more at stake. It's more important. Um, but the main sort of, uh, the main worry that I have when you say this is, fuck, how many times have I done this? Because I am, I am just a blabbermouth. I don't say the right thing. I just say the first thing that comes out of my ass and I walk on. Like, I, I worry there's a trail of destruction conversationally behind me. But you know what? I, have, I will have done it as well. And it's actually, mm. very, I'm a real people pleaser. And it would, I mm. would just... You know, it kills me to think that I have actually made people feel like that. But I know that I will have done, especially when yeah. booze is involved. Yeah, and it's oh, not yeah. necessarily oh. a malicious intent. It's literally yeah. like thinking about something else at the same time or worrying about your own show. Or maybe mm. your insecurities coming through, but not in a in a deliberate way. So it's, yeah, I know. Yeah, but of but course, I've never heard got- you say, I've never heard people go, Tom Price is going around <laughs> saying, I saw a show oh. the other day. Yeah. <sighs> I don't know, it's just because people care so little about what I say. But I would also say that I've enjoyed the fact you have not connected the dots and gone, well, I know I've done it and I didn't mean it. So therefore that person probably uh, didn't yeah. mean it. Like, no, no, that's not happening. Anyway, listen, so this film, um, what I yeah. also like, uh, the naturalistic thing as well, and I have, having had a little little sneak through your Amazon already, which I don't normally do, Izzy, I don't know why. Oh, maybe, don't you? I'm, oh, okay. No, I've just been having a sort of, I've been seeing it for 20 minutes, having a little idle browse through. Um, but I've spotted a lot of Shane Meadows, oh my God. And he, they, that is the epitome of that kind of thing, right? Yeah, no, it is. Is, yeah, God. And um, Dead Man's Shoes is filmed in my hometown of Matlock. Oh, yes, so, of course. Oh, God. So there's a Dead Man's Shoes tour, I think, you can do of all the <laughs> locations. That, And really? the really odd thing is, 
Where are you from? You're from Wales, aren't you? Yeah, but we have got connection. We've had this conversation before because my wife is from that neck of the woods. She's from Chesterfield. Yes, that's right. But yeah, you're from yeah. Monmouth. Correct. Yes. Have, is there a film set in Monmouth? Uh, the thing they're filming there at the moment, very near Monmouth at the moment, is sex education. That's oh, okay. all happening near there. And, and I, I think bet it's I, all really beautiful landscapes and stuff. And Yes, yeah. yes. The, the, the Y Valley, they've, they've turned that into this weird sort of pseudo-Californian type thing, which is a big leap. That's some good <laughs> writing right there. They, uh, they have put a good filter on that shit. <laughs> but what's really weird is, so with um, Dead Man's Shoes, which in a sense doesn't paint Matlock in the best light, I guess, like, there's a lot of kind of, you know, it's a gritty film. There isn't not a lot of sunshine or like beautiful shots of chats with house or something that's nearby, you know. Um, and, you know, it's it's kind of much more gritty than that, for want of a better word. But what's really interesting is you'll sort of go, oh, my God, that's Crown Square. Oh, my God, that's yeah. the pub where I went and had my first pint when I was 13. And, and it's really... <laughs> So, so odd and quite discombobulating seeing just a stretch of grey pavement near Woolworths that you used to walk along every day of your life. Um, and yeah. I just love it. I absolutely love it. It's so true. But seeing seeing the um, the randomness and the sort of all these odd places that you know so well, seeing them immortalised and put on film, it sort of puts in, puts things into order somehow, doesn't it? It kind of, I don't know, it... it it's it's quite an, it's a neatening of it. I like it. It's it's yes. it puts it into a compartment somehow. Yes, I do know what you mean. And also, I think Matlock and I do always write about Matlock in wherever I make creatively, I suppose. But like, it is a very beautiful place, um, and the landscapes. I really, really miss the peaks, and I really miss the cliffs, and I really miss like the colour of the hills and. Um, I sort of feel like my heart is still there. Beautiful. Oh, I love it up there. Yeah, I do. Yeah, I feel very lucky to have grown up there. Because I wasn't born there. I was born in Hull, but we just moved there when I was six because my dad got a job there. Um, but mm. I do really consider it home. Um, but now I've essentially married a Welsh person. There's no chance of us moving back. They'd be like, well, why would we move to Matlock when we've got Carmarthen? <laughs> well, I've had an impression of him, he's got quite a high voice these days. <laughs> just, that's just happened over lockdown. Um, anyway. Um, <laughs> he also uh, sounds so indignant. You're doing indignant Welsh. That's, yes, that's uh, about, yeah, but I can't really do accents. You see, I have to do, well, why would I? I would do that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but Ellis, Ellis James has the most perfect Welsh accent. It's got very ever. soft, like if you ever want, gentle. Yeah, yeah, it's the Queen's English of Welsh accents. Like You're it is, so it's, right. You know, mm. If you ever need to build a Welsh accent, you just give Ellis James a call, which I'm sure you could do. Um, all right, so we're going to plough on through. We're going forwards now, okay. Izzy. Uh, we're going into yes. 2010 now, because you didn't buy anything in 2008 or 2009, Did so that's I? fine. No, or you've deleted it all. So I bought Pavi Lakeed, and that's very interesting, isn't it? Okay, go on. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that amazing? The idea that you could park Amazon for a couple of years like that. What a world! Where was we I lived getting in. everything from? The FOP. shops that have all had to close down. Fop, yeah, yeah. fucking Fop, HMV. I, think, I used to buy a lot of music and, and film, but it must have been from Fop because I used to mm. love going there and actually yes. touching the things before you buy them rather than just clicking on a screen. Yeah. Yeah, How are they? I know. Well, FOP is still open and somehow, and it's still there. On There's one on Charing Cross Road, isn't there? Oh, um, I love FOP. So yeah. good, so good. Uh, so then you... Uh, there's a really interesting uh, load of purchases that you've made. Um, <laughs> again, October, 23rd of this October. This is so weird. What happens in October that... Go on. Well... <laughs> I just think I don't know. You tell you tell me if you can spot a theme to these three DVDs. Okay. See if you can tell okay. me there's a common link. So first of all, we've got uh, Peep Show Series Seven. Okay, okay, Series Seven, right? Series Seven. Then we've got Whites by Alan Davis on DVD, <laughs> and then we've got Walk on the Wild Side Series One. <laughs> so, what? Oh gosh, if only I could work out what is the common yes, thread. So- Weird, is it that one begins with P, one begins with W, and that two begin with W? And- that's what it is. Yeah, that's what it is. There. Okay, fine. Well, we'll just move on in that case. Um, uh, so, what exactly is going on here, please? Right. So, what? So, I've appeared in all those things. Oh, the question- there it is. Yeah. The question is, why? Why have I bought? Because I. Well, do you know what? I don't really ever watch things that I've been in. I find, especially Peep Show, because it's so intense to watch. Because it's just in, you know, intensely filmed. I sometimes just can't watch myself on it. And um, sex scenes as well. I can't watch sex. Yeah, scenes like yeah, that. it's full oh. on to yeah. So what? But 
maybe I want this. So this is before everything was available on demand. I can only think that I wanted to add things that I'd done to to the library of DVDs in case I ever I ever felt like. But I don't know why I would have bought Walk on the Wild Side because that's sort of for kids, and I didn't have children then. Walk on the Wild um, Side is just to remind people this was the the classic classic thing of doing some funny voices over animals. You can't go wrong with that. No, and that was Jason Manford as well. Tom Price is a knob. Oh uh, yeah, Tom Price is a knob. Jason Manford. Yeah, of course. That's what he's going to become known as now. <laughs> um, was it for? Was it? I mean, it might have been for a, a show reel, maybe, or might have been for show reel. Yeah, you can use might that excuse. I'm offering you up an excuse so you don't look yeah, like an egotistical maniac. Definitely for a show reel. It or just, was definitely you yeah. know, presents, presents for friends and family. No, because I've still got the Whites DVD next door. I don't know what's happened to the Walk on the Wild side. Although actually now w- could show it to my kids. Um, mm. And Peep Show, I might have wanted. I think occasionally I get asked to sign Peep Show DVDs for like raffles and stuff. So it oh, could yeah. have been for that. Yeah. Um, How often? Because you played. Uh, it's a pretty iconic role, Dobby and Peep Show. How often do you get the old recognised bit with that? Um, not as much as I used to. It, it mm. used to get. It was quite full on at one point, and it was a bit much and then I sort of used to think haven't you heard my Radio 4 material like (laughs) well I only ever get recognised for Beep Show which I absolutely loved doing can Um, I just stop you there I'd love to do a song for you no they've gone they've gone unbelievable yeah exactly I'll do it a cappella I don't have a guitar has anyone got a guitar guys (laughs) um, um, uh, yeah Uh, well what happens now is I do get recognised now and again and that it's not necessarily it's sometimes are you Dobby but sometimes it's are you Izzy or so then I sort of think you might have seen me on something else but it is a bit weird having joined something that's such a cult thing and it being so iconic and joined it when it was already really up and running as well um, yeah. as quite a, you know as a kind of strong-willed character who was a girlfriend for one of the main very beloved beloved actors in it you know beloved so, beloved um yeah but it was uh, what a lucky first job to get really well i'd done a thing about mary shelley which was very low budget and doesn't even appear on my imdb which is my first telly job where we had like real wine and one real chicken to do these takes (laughs) it feels like a bit of a fever dream but um it was real um and shelley was played by kilroy's nephew i seem to remember hang on hang on robert kilroy's silk off of breakfast tv in the 90s yeah kilroy's nephew played shelley i played mary shelley um a girl called mary who i'm still very good friends with who i love played my sister and it was about the history of shelley and it was bbc2 and it has disappeared into the ether. And if anyone knows where it is, I'd love to see it. It's called The Trouble With Love. I really would love that on my show reel. So and that you, was my uh, first telly job. And you were yeah. playing who? I was playing Mary Shelley, but it was Great. all improvised. So it was one of those things where, you know, they have historians kind of going, Shelley was born mm. in blah, blah. Then it will cut to a reconstruction. Yes, love that. But, uh, but we had real wine and a real chicken. And they sort of said, we can only, we've got to get this done in one take. Because, oh my God. Um, yeah. It That's was dangerous. That's so dangerous. So just so anyone listening, yeah. if you do bump into Izzy City on a, on a train or whatever, do go up to her and say, oh my God, are you Mary Shelley? Because that would make Please, your day. Please, yeah. Are you Mary Shelley? Did you play Mary <laughs> Shelley? And <laughs> Find us on Twitter and Instagram At Toaster Pot is the name we're trying to jam It's simple like a sunny filled with cheese and ham At Toaster Pot, at Toaster Pot, at Toaster Pot I swear it's not a scam, I think So elsewhere in 2010, there we are, a bit of uh, This Is England uh, and some more Peep Show as well. You're really stocking up here. There's a few back to sort of <laughs> retire and you just want to have your legacy to be buried with or something. Um, here's a weird one. 22nd of October, a George Best portrait, A1 canvas art print poster. You've got a poster of George Best. A poster of George yourself. Best and what year was that? 2010. Can I just a say, poster. making this podcast, one of my favourite sounds is the sound of a guest going, why the now, no, yeah, of course. What? So, 2010. Mm. I started going out with Ellis in January 2010. Hello. What month was this? October. Okay, so that was for his birthday, which is November the third. Oh. Now, though, George Best is English, right? George Best is Irish. He was actually he played for Northern Ireland. He played for Northern Ireland. Okay. What but he I was played for Manchester of, United. Yeah, well he's not Welsh. That's what I was thinking. 
uh, because I don't know anything about football, but I just know that he's not Welsh. So is there a question mark over why you bought this? How did this go down? Why would I have bought Ellis a (laughs) non-Welsh thing? That's, That's the question. Because any football things that we have on the wall... I'm looking at one right now. It's a framed um, page from the Evening Post, um, a game between Preston and Swansea City. Um, I think the date on it is perhaps the 80s. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. There, there are no, fo- actually, there are no things in this house that Ellis owns. I'm going to go this far, that aren't Welsh or connected to Wales. So why did I get, I know George Best is one of the best footballs of all time. So maybe it was that. But I might have been, it might have been that early days of kind of, well, (laughs) just imagining he's a footballer. Yeah, he's a footballer. He's a footballer. That's fine. But he's a Manchester United footballer who, like I say, played, didn't play for, certainly didn't play for Wales. I'm just wondering, did Ellis get this and go, oh, thank you so much. Oh, oh, this this girl's a keeper. Fuck's sake. Oh, was it was George Best a keeper or was he? No, was no, he, uh, he was not a keeper. Yeah. No, he was just <laughs> on the field. <laughs> see, he was on the field. That's what they say, isn't it? In Outfi- football? Outfield, outfield, yeah, outfield, yeah, yeah, yeah. outfield. Um, so, uh, yes, I think that's very likely because in the early days in a relationship, you can make those mistakes, can't you? And the person sort of goes, "Oh, that's nice," and then just sort of gives it away. Yes. Um, but you know, years in, if I was to get him a, you know, a poster of George Best now, I think he'd be like, what oh my the God. fuck are you doing? <laughs> that's, that's why he's got such a high voice. Just can't believe what you... But no, it's going on. So I just don't understand this. Uh, also, look, 22nd of October as well. So this is also for his birthday, we'd assume. You've bought him Let's Get Together vinyl of by Gorky Zygotic Monkey back on oh. safe Welsh territory there. Yes, yes. So I remember doing that. I remember this. This is the first birthday that we'd been together mm. and he'd not long been back from Australia because he went to Australia for three and a half. When we first met, we had 10 days together when we got together. I went to Sydney for two and a half weeks. Yeah. I came back and we had five days together. Wow. Then he went to Australia for three and a half months. Three and a half months? Yes. So when he got back, um, you know, it was kind of all all systems go. So I sort of went all out with this birthday, I think. So mm. I was like, we've mm. been apart for, so let's get together. That was what I was saying. Oh, well, good, clever, yeah. clever. I see. No need for a metaphor or art there. That's a very literal presence. <laughs> you just get the thing that says the thing I you think you're. To say. I think, Ellis, you are simply George Best. Let's get together. That's what you were doing. That's what you were doing. I can't the same always. Love you, baby, and I want you for the rest of my day. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. All right, look, uh, 2011, Izzy. um, We have got, this is an interesting one. This is December 2011. EFT in your pocket, tapping into emotional freedom. Oh, yeah, so mum has always said that EFT, do you know anything about EFT? No. no. Izzy um, Grigg wrote this. No, tell, tell us. 
So Izzy Grig wrote it. I think that must be another reason. Whenever I come across another Izzy, I'm like, I've got to buy anything they produce. <laughs> You're very Izzy loyal. <laughs> I'm very Izzy loyal. I'm very Sutty loyal as well. There's a casting director from another country, can't remember which one, called Tony Sutty, a woman, T-O-N-I. Yeah. And I've got a book by Tony Sutty <laughs> about auditions that I've actually never read. But I was like, it's another Sutty. I've got to support, <laughs> got to support the Sutties. There aren't many of us. Um, so Izzy Grig. Now this is, I've still got this EFT book. I don't know if I ever read it. My mum will go through phases of kind of going, oh, you must do this thing. I, I, even something like making kefir from scratch, she told me mm. I had to do. And yep. like getting a piece of muslin, you know, like you use with babies and like stretching it across a um, pot of some kind of pushing yogurt through it. And of course it all goes mouldy and starts to stink. And then, yeah. but the next week she's like, oh, I can't even remember telling you, you should make kefir. You must do EFT. <laughs> so that's the kind of thing that, that will have happened here. So you're sort of sitting in this kefir lab, your house is ruined. <laughs> and a week later she's going, I don't know what I'm doing that for. Like, literally don't, what are you talking about? Don't remember any of it. Yeah. <laughs> Um, EFT. So that's, so I remember her saying that Mel B does it and swears by it. Wow. Um, so you tap out the thing that you want to achieve or that you're nervous about, or I think it might've been, you know, maybe I was going through a stressful time or something and it's a way of kind of like calming things down mm. and kind of going, so you're supposed to tap in the rhythm that there are, there are actually, there's more to it than this. You don't just say, can I make more money please again and again. And <laughs> you have to tap in certain places on your on your face or between your eyes and like on your cheekbones and stuff. It's a little bit like acupuncture points from what I understand. And it's got elements and of NLP, right? Because EFT stands for, uh, and I'm looking this up because I've never heard of it, emotional freedom therapy. Yeah. What's NLP? What the- Neuro-linguistic programming where you... Okay. Every t- so, for example, you'll see um, a lot of sports people do this now when they score a goal or whatever. They walk away and they'll hold their, they'll maybe pinch a bit of knuckle or something. Okay. And every time they succeed, they do that. So that reinforces and they sort of physically record that feeling. Oh, wow. Yeah, that sounds good. Mm. That's a bit like a sort of suggestive thing, isn't it? That if you do that, then it, yeah. I'm not too sure about stuff like that. I feel like I just get into this thing of like, oh no, I didn't touch my hand in the right place. Therefore, I will never score another goal. Like I, yeah, yes. I don't think. It, ve- it, I don't it would veer towards OCD for me very quickly. That's, that's yeah, the danger. Yeah, it feels like it's a thing to set up, isn't it? Another thing that you have to do perhaps, but I'm <laughs> sure it thing to do. For, I've got, I've got to yeah, do my EFT admin. <laughs> I've got to do the dishwasher. I've got to touch my hand for 10 hours. Um, yeah, um, but I don't remember ever really reading this book. I think it's one of those ones that I sort of bought. I think I will do this sometimes if someone says, oh, do this thing. I'll sort yeah. of go, oh, yeah, I'll get I'll get a thing that will make me do the thing. And then I don't necessarily do the thing. Yeah. So oh. I can't vouch for the standard of Izzy's work. No, okay. But she's called but, Izzy, so it's bound to be good. It's oh, my God, it's going to be great. Good. And uh, elsewhere as well, actually, <laughs> got to be said, again, we're seeing lots of lovely Welsh themes here. Richard Burton, Under Milk Woods, wonderful stuff there. Very good, <laughs> very good. And th- then, so much I'm really pleased to see, um, and I don't know if we've talked about her, I don't think I've talked about her before on this podcast, and she's my favourite writer, and you've gone crazy for Iris Murdoch. <laughs> yes! I. Oh my God, she's one of my favourite writers. I'm glad you like her. I, I've done this, okay, and I, this, is, this is unprofessional because you are listening to this podcast, dear listener, but I've taken a picture, Izzy, and I'm going to show you on our camera. That is my bookshelf just there. That is my... Oh, wow. Just full all the Murdochs. of all the Murdochs. Well, nearly all of them. I am uh, obsessed with her. Obsessed with her. Oh, she's... God, she's so brilliant, isn't she? So what do you love about her? So, so like, I, I think that... It is the most emotional depth and most intricate detailing of people you could ever get into. But she's also got that incredible knack of um, grabbing onto the uncanny, of, of asking a question that you're like, "What the fuck is going on?" Like she'll use she'll use the tricks of, a, of an airport fiction thriller writer. Like there's a danger, there's a thing. So you kind of feel like it's it's you're very compelled to read it. You want to know more. It's not like a lot of other books would have a big emotional character or a big emotional situation and lots of in-depth writing and you'd get a bit bored. But there's something about her that just keeps you going. Does that make sense? That- yeah, it makes complete sense. That I sometimes feel like it's like there's a sinister presence watching everything yes. and you're never quite sure if it's going to come to anything, but you have to keep... Yeah, so it's not like a thriller where it's completely plot driven but I absolutely agree there's a kind of real rhythm underneath it uh, often with as you say an uncanny or supernatural element or 
perhaps a melancholy element at other times. Um, mm. But yeah, I, I love her for the same reasons. I also think she's funny. Yes. Um, and she really, really taps into those quirks that everyone has and the kind yeah. of uh, hypo- hypocrisies within people and the lies that people tell themselves yeah. about what they're actually like. I totally, totally. And, and loads of, um, she writes men really well. She writes, all her, all her characters have got ridiculous names. Like they were called Octavius and things like that. They've all got yeah. absurd Christian names. Um, I tell you, here's a sign of a, a good writer. Of, of eff, well, it, it effortlessly re- remains in my brain because I can go through all the books on my shelves and be like, oh yeah, there was that one. And I just can't quite remember it. And there's a few, Philip Hensher is one. Have you read any Philip Hensher? No. Oh my God. Read The Northern Clemency by Philip Hensher. Okay. It's in my top five books. And if you like Iris Murdoch, you will adore him. Um, okay. I, I look at this book and I'm into, I, I, like, I visualise it. I remember it. I remember what the characters yeah. look like. I remember what, what their houses look like. At no point does she say, this is what it looks like. It just goes in somehow. That's magic. Yeah, well, that's the sign that you've really lived the book yeah. while you've been reading it. Here's an interesting thing. When I when I read any novel, there are one, two, three houses. This is without me thinking about it. Yes. There are three houses I know very well that, and this happened when I wrote my novel as well, that uh, I imagine it to be in. And I never know which one it's going to be. One is my childhood friend, Helena, who lived in an old vicarage that was very big and rambling with a massive garden. Yeah. And that, so whenever a house is big and posh, it's always Helena's Amazing. house. And they had a library and they had, you know, it was beautiful. Yeah. Um, the second one is the childhood home that I grew up in until I was 18, um, which was a Victorian an odd Victorian house with lots of kind of staircases that went up to a linking rooms, sort of doors, secret doors and stuff. That was quite oh, a cool house to grow up in. Love so, that. But, but a lot smaller than Helena's. So that's for sort of another type of house. And then the other one is my friend Ruth from Chesson, who just had a sort of more of, I don't know, like a kind of a nice kitchen and a big, but like a completely different shape. Yes. Um, more conventionally decorated and stuff. And I never know which house it's going to be. I never, ever conjure up a new house or layout, crucially, yeah. in my head. Yeah. It's, they are my three go-to houses. Do you do that or do you see a new... I see houses from my hometown. I think my hometown, coming from such a small, big personality of a place, and it was, and it had such a big impact on me and imprinted on me, I see different houses and I go into different houses from that hometown. So weirdly... And are the interiors of them the actual interiors of the houses or are they like ones that you imagine? I imagine the interiors, but I, I wow, imagine yeah. them... It very vividly based on what I've seen and gone past a hundred times. For, so, for example, funny you should say this. Say this is an Iris Murdoch novel, which I it totally takes place next to the playing fields where I used to play rugby as a kid because I used to look at those houses when I was hating every second of being on the rugby pitch, and I'd sort of imagine stuff going on in there. And then when I read this book years later, I kind of made that made that link. And now I look at that book, and straight away I'm by the bit that floods next to the river God, in Monmouth. Isn't that amazing? I find mad. that really. It's almost a bit like dreams. It's like yeah, you're yeah. yeah. When I read Beth's book, I know she's got another one out, or has just written another one, hasn't she? Oh, but the Beth first Murray book, off of my wife. Yes, yeah, yes. Off of your wife. Yes. Um, that was in Ruth's house. Oh no way, really. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> I can look at any novel and go, yeah, that's Helena's that's house. So yeah, that's Nolston Place, my old house. Yeah, that. it's weird. That is so interesting. Yeah. I love our stupid brains. So Iris Murdoch's amazing. If you've not read her, please do. Please do. And I think a good, I think a good one to start with, because I think it's a bit like Frank Zappa. You can go in with a little bit of an obtuse one and go, oh, mm. this is a bit too. I think The Sea, The Sea totally. is a very good first one. And it's probably her, one of her most well-known ones, isn't totally. it? Totally. Yeah, yeah. That's that's the first one I read. Exactly that. And that's like my favourite novel ever. It's it's yeah. a wonderful story of a, a man who moves to like that kind of um, down at heel, out of season bit of sea side proper proper coast where people actually live rather than go on holiday i guess and he thinks he's seen a woman who he used to be in love with 20 or 30 years ago and then a lot of the novel is him going is it i'm not is it i'm not sure it's her yeah it's, that's it and also there are so many descriptions of his meals and he sort of takes great care over like i'm going to boil an egg for four minutes and yeah. it's almost almost like it's got recipes in it have we done iris murdoch justice here i hope we have because it's important yeah, to me so. it's important to me i'll be very happy if people read her and get in touch with the show and say they've oh, enjoyed yeah. it um all right good so that's iris murdoch sorted let's let's leap forward now izzy right i feel like we've spent a lot of time back in you know seven uh, 2010, 2011. Here's an interesting one. Here's an interesting one um, that I just randomly clicked on. 2013. Okay. 
uh, the 30th of December 2013. There's two things that have arrived in the book. Or three things, actually. You've got the, ma- the Magus, 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 by John Fowles uh, for £2.80. Uh, you've bought the uh, Ultra Early Pregnancy Strip Tests, pack of 15 strips, and the Clear Blue Advanced Digital Ovulation Test, pack of 20 <laughs> so, strips. A, a bit of fowls. A bit of fowls. <laughs> and then a bit of breeding. <laughs> has read the majors when they've been trying for a baby i'd love to know um 30th december 2013 yes yes right yes. okay yes so well john fowles is another so i i've read two books by i've read three books by john fowles mm. i don't want this whole podcast to be about literature although mm. why not Shambu, it's your yeah. podcast sure, no, <laughs> um, but the Magus is one of my favourite books ever, and I think I've if never you read like, it. I've never read oh, it. Yeah, you. I'll read the Clemency, Northern Clemency, if you read the Magus. It's, Thank you. And yeah. I think you would really love it if it's got that kind of really odd, odd. Almost, there's a kind of ritualistic, odd, sinister power playing undertone mm. um, that becomes an overtone, really. And it's also about a Greek island, and it's very weird, and it's wonderful. Right. It's, Fine. Yeah. Um, so that's very good. I, I I had already read it at that point, so I might have bought that for someone else, although it's just after Christmas. Yes. So it might be someone whose birthday's in January. Or I might have lost it. And I always like to have it on the shelf, even though I've never I never reread books normally, but I've read that twice. Can I just so, say, and I, I, I know it's it's annoying to talk about Alice all the time, but but what's interesting about this is that you have a my wife and I are obsessed with books. And you keep reminding me of Ellis because I remember sitting on a train with him. He'd come to do my show on Radio Wales and he had his little, he had his little notepad of all the books that he had to read. And he, he kept adding books into that. And I looked at it and I was like, fuck, I do that as well. I keep a very serious yeah. list and it's an important, important part of my life. The list of books people recommend in conversation, like I will now be adding the majors to it. And then he lost that book, didn't he? He lost the little book. Oh, yeah, he did. And it was really, yeah, he was heartbroken. Yes. Yes, because it's. A, I think that was the book. I think what he used to do is if someone recommended a book, he would write it down in his little notebook and they were kind of books that he needed to buy. So it was really yes. annoying when yeah. he lost it. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, we've got so many books. I mean, looking around me now, mm. we've probably got 400, 500 books in this room. And yet here I we reckon. see the two different um, weather fronts meeting because you've got, and this is what I found so torturous about the last nine years, the thing I really always want to do is just go and read. And then kids come along and yeah. and this is where it's happening right now in this moment on your Amazon history. You're buying books still to keep the books nearby, but also pregnancy testing. The chances are goodbye books. Yeah, no, it's a real kind of snapshot, isn't it, of a bit of your life. Although I do, I do read as much as I used to. I just don't get any sleep. Like I can't go to sleep without reading for about 20 minutes, even yes. when they were really little. I, I suppose I think when they were newborns, I obviously wouldn't have done, but yeah. pretty early on, I was sort of, yeah, I just... I can't. I can't not read before I go to bed. Yes. Apart from when you're really exhausted in the early days of having children. So, well, and the yeah. phone doesn't cut the mustard, does it? The phone's not the same because the phone isn't. The phone not only doesn't cut the mustard. I think the phone. I can't sleep after looking at my phone because it, it. You know, I start to reply to an email or no. I get a Twitter message and I think I'm going to forget to reply. My phone is just full of emails to myself, yes. genuinely yeah, saying, yeah. "Reply to so and so on Twitter. <laughs> reply to so and so on WhatsApp." Such I have to. It's like, disaster. this isn't right. It's such a disaster. So, yeah. Also, do you think, when you send yourself, I always do this, I send myself a reminder email and as soon as I've sent it, I get a bing saying that I've got an email and I will always go, oh, I've got an email every time. Oh, oh my God, totally. Well, it's like when I got the email today, just before we started recording, saying someone's logged into your Amazon account <laughs> in North London. And I was like, Oh my God, I'm going to have to delay the podcast. Someone's trying to access my Amazon account. Oh, it's the person I'm recording with. Um, so look, tell us, so the yeah. end of 2013, this is a, this is a big, was this child number one on the way? So this is child number one. And um, I got pregnant in, I think we decided to take Christmas off because I got a little bit stressed about getting pregnant. And so we we said, right, that's it. We'll take Christmas off. So that must've been me kind of going, right, it's going to be January the 1st tomorrow well no the day after tomorrow yes. this is on the 30th of december yes. new new year new start i'll get the old the most romantic thing in the world the ovulation test yes. um yes. And then the pregnancy test and then i got pregnant in the in the january i think february march april may june july august september october yes yeah. so they were the last that was the last lot of pregnancy things i had to buy because yeah. i was pregnant within two weeks after that it Obviously, between of... bouts of reading the Magus, it's a very long book. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's um, it's a very kind of 
uh, weird moment when you make that decision. If you're lucky enough to be in a place in your life where you can make that decision and start to think about having babies, it's an odd moment. I remember Beth and I having that conversation and it was because loads of other people had been having babies. It was pure peer pressure. I swear to you, Izzy, we were just going to get more dogs. And but f- that's why people do it, or at least that's what... I think I would have wanted to do it anyway. Like, I think if we lived on our own in a very remote area and never saw anyone in the whole world, I think I still probably would have wanted a child. But definitely that's the thing that, you know, and for years and years, I didn't know if I wanted them and not many, many of my friends had had them. And then it was a sort of a year, I don't know if you found this as well, where suddenly loads of people were like, we're having a baby. Yeah. And I was like, that was the thing that kind of pushed me into... It goes crazy. It goes crazy. And look, it dominates 2014 on your Amazon purchase history. There's a really interesting... <laughs> <laughs> ah, this is incredible. So in... <laughs> In June 2014. So in June 2014, you've bought um, the Penguin Book of Baby Names. Fine. Fine, fine, fine. Okay. You've bought Scottish (laughs) babies' names. And then very quickly afterwards, Welsh names. (laughs) Of course. (laughs) You can see what's going on there. So it's five months pregnant then. Right. Um, so I've got the so I've got the generic book of baby names, and I've obviously thought that might not have enough Celtic names in it. Yeah, um, I'm half Scottish, right? So that's the connection there. Mm-hmm. So I was always fighting for a Scottish name because also my dad died in 2011, and I've always thought, oh, I'd love to have you know a Scottish name in there. So we we're thinking about Heather at one point, okay. and there are lots of really lovely um, Scottish names, Angus as well. I really like. Oh yes, but you know. Ellis, for all his softly spoken mannerisms, he's he was very firm about baby names. And he was like, if we're not going to live in Wales, his voice has changed a bit, actually, hasn't it, since I started to... Right, let me try again. If we're not going to live in Wales, they've got to have Welsh names. And it was an absolute no negotiation point. Wow. That they absolutely had to have Welsh names. What? So did he sort of come in one night and saw you idly browsing Scottish baby names and just went... <laughs> I'm you sorry. Chuck it out of the window. Uh, yeah, exactly. Get, get, get rid of that. Yeah. <laughs> I loved your dad, but no. <laughs> <laughs> um, I made a short list, and we didn't. We didn't decide for. We didn't decide at all, and we let and with both kids because I've got a son now as well. Mm. We left it until the very last day of having to register them, and they were just called. Well, but, but Betty was called Bobby Bach, which is oh. Welsh for little baby. So we could still yeah. call her BB because that was oh. her name for months. And everyone oh, was kind of, so where, when are you going to get give her a name? And it was just <laughs> like, I don't know. I don't know. So, yeah. Betty's a beautiful name, though. It's, I find it's the Welsh spelling, of course. Well, of course, one, one T, right? One T and, and, and an I. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. B-E-T-I. But that's fine because yeah. that's Welsh by stealth. That's quite clever. Because Betty, it's Betty. It's a gorgeous, beautiful name. But and it's yeah, Welsh. Yeah, so that was the thing. I was like, I don't, I think we need a name that English people can pronounce. Mm. Um, so that's it. So that narrowed it down, actually. Yes. Because there are lots of really beautiful Welsh names, but I knew that they'd constantly get them. Well, I Even mean, Griff, because it's spelt with a U. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Get, you know, No one needs to be called Gruff. And, and uh, Robin Morgan, who has been on this podcast and talked about this, of course, had a, has, has a Ewan. Uh, Welsh for John. Oh, yeah. But he's going to be called Ian. Yeah. He's going to be spending his life called Ian. You know, yeah. no one needs that. Yeah. No one needs that. It's tricky. Um, loads and loads of kid stuff then suddenly lands on your Amazon purchase history. We don't need to go through all the nipple shields. We don't need to go through the <laughs> we star can, if you project. Want major I mean, problems breastfeeding. I mean, I don't know how many nipple shields I bought over the years, but nipple shields were the thing that enabled me to carry on breastfeeding. It's horrific. Um, Beth's, the pain oh, that Beth went through with, with breastfeeding, and oh she had the worst God. birth ever with the first kid. The pain of breastfeeding, she still says, was was worse than the child. I remember such a stabbing. So I remember even with the nipple shields, which helped a lot, um, I used to, so I would get Betty and she'd latch on and and Ellis used to say to me, you're stamping on the floor so loudly that the neighbours are going to think there's something wrong. Because the pain, like the shoe, it's a pain unlike any other um, I used to stamp my foot onto the floor because I couldn't cry out because it would scare her. Yeah. And you do sort of have these moments of going, what am I doing? I mean, I'm glad I did it. I, I, you know, I really sort of, I, I do that thing where you look back with rose-tinted glass and go, oh. oh, remember all those days I used to breastfeed her and watch Downton Abbey. And there were really lovely moments as well, but 
I would say if it's painful and if you're having major problems and it's damaging you emotionally, there really is yes. no shame at all. We did mixed feeding from the beginning and then the second kid just wouldn't breastfeed. So Fine. I expressed for a bit and then that was it. Because oh, I was very much like, don't worry about it. You don't need to, this, this isn't, you know, just, just go on the bottle. And Beth was the same and she used to, yeah, it's funny though, that thing of, um, that really rings a bell when you look back on it now. I mean, I didn't go through the physical pain, obviously, uh, but you'd go back and go, oh gosh, oh, you know, it would be like walking into a torture chamber that you used to live in now and going, oh, you're on the rack, are you? <laughs> good times. Uh, oh my good God, times. you're totally, yeah, good, yeah, yeah, you, don't worry, you're going to be fine, you'll be having a beer in a year, it'll be a distant memory. I remember having this, I remember saying to mum before Betty was born, um, I don't want to breastfeed in public, especially as with the added thing of sometimes being recognised that's like a slightly tricky uh, extra corner of things sometimes with something like that. So mum said... You you won't care. You absolutely won't care. If your baby's hungry, you'll just want to feed it. And that was not the case for me. So if I was out, I felt so, so self-conscious about yeah. breastfeeding. And I really hated myself for feeling like that. But I did. I couldn't deny it. So I got this sort of thing that you put... And which probably I got from Amazon as well. Um, it's like a sort of, I don't know if Beth had one as well, like a kind of piece of material yeah. that you put over your boobs, basically. And it's got a hoop at the top of it so that you can look down. It's very clever mm. and see, you can see the baby because it's kind of open at the top, but no one can see you. Um, and she just used to, so used to get the nipple shield on. The nipple shield has to be sterilised. And then she used to go onto the boob and then just pull back the whole piece of material like a magician's cloth, <laughs> which was worse than me not having it on in the first place. People's eyes would be drawn to this, you know, this big movement and then it would be like, da-da. Kind of like the Wizard, the oh, wizard of Oz revealing himself. Here I am. <laughs> Yeah. That's amazing. Is that Mary Shelley breastfeeding over there? Yeah, I think it is. I think it is. Oh, God, I love it. I thought she was dead. Ooh, I don't want to hear no more crying. Just come on, let me know what you've been buying. Um, 28th of March 2015, a replacement remote control for the Hitachi CLE 958. The Hitachi CLE958, it's a classic piece of machinery. So is that the DVD player? Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, so which we now don't use um, at all. Uh, but we've just had to buy another remote. In fact, that's probably my most recent purchase, or at least one of them, mm. is a replacement remote for the telly, which my son has just, it's gone. We've searched <laughs> for it for hours. So, But I didn't realise that you can, there's an app on your phone that will control your telly. You may know this. Fuck it absolutely off. blew my mind. Go fuck yourself. I know. What? So he hid the remote. We looked in all the usual places. Is it in the shoes? Is it in? He's got this obsession with opening sheets of seaweed that we like to eat. Although, is it in the seaweed? No, search for hours. I was like, how are we going to turn the telly off? Because it's just, it's on, but we can't do anything to it. We can't, are we going to unplug it on the mains? And I just Googled remote and it came up. There are multiple apps for every telly, it seems. What? Where you, you just download it, pair it with your telly, which I can do, and I'm so bad at technology, but I was able to do it immediately. Log it onto the Wi-Fi, and yeah. then it will... You can control it. This is And this is the kind of thing this podcast does so well. It's great life advice, this. This is yeah. great life advice. So you can bin off the remote control. Because the other thing about remote controls is that um, you often end up living on... 0.5% battery power. You, I, you, nothing pushes a AAA more than a TV yeah. remote control. And you do the thing where you, you maybe bang it a couple of times, warm up the yes. batteries, and then you press down so hard on the button that you're sort of, you can hear the remote control creaking. I think, I'm going to put this out there, <laughs> there is nothing in my house that gets more physical abuse than the TV remote control. It's a terrible life. Oh, my God, yeah, totally. Like, yeah, we've got this sound bar under the telly mm. that mm. I don't even think we use, that we got when we bought the telly yeah no one uses their just not, yeah, no no we're just not technical people at all but our friend was like get this soundbar i've got it it's really good but you have to aim the remote over the soundbar yes, so the soundbar blocks the signal yes. and it's defunct we spent i cannot tell you right my in-laws come and stay and i tom 
The remote controls not lift it up. You have to pick it up over the soundbar. Yes. No. And so the other day, in a fit of fury, because we never use the soundbar because it's too bassy and our neighbours can hear it. Because you get like get all that ridiculous. And who needs that when you my kids are just watching YouTube anyway? Sure. So in a fit of fury about the number of people who kept complaining about having to lift up the remote control, I've dismantled the soundbar. Oh, well done. Well, that should be my next. When you see my next purchase being a book about how to dismantle a soundbar, you'll know that I've done that too. <sighs> I, I tell you what, Izzy, Shane Meadows, Iris Murdoch and sound bar dismantling. We have so much in common, so much in common. And the nipple shields as well. I love a nipple shield. Oh, yeah, good um, on nipple shields. There's lots of wonderful things here. It's lovely kids things. They've got your nappies for the kids. You're getting play school, Mr. Potato Head, lovely stuff. Feeling good, the new mood therapy. That's quite interesting now. And that's July. Yeah, that's from mum again. That was mum. <laughs> I've never read that, but it's in the yellow section. I think. Is it yellow? Mm, mm, that's right. It's yes, a yellow it cover, yellow. right? Yes. So my friend Amy came round and our house, uh, we're very messy. She came into this room, which has got about 500 books in it. It was like, I'm going to arrange all your books in colour. I want to do that. And we were like, oh my God, you're brilliant. So wow. I now, if I know the colour of the spine or cover of a book, I can find it immediately. And I remember that feeling good... Although I'd love it's it to be called feeling good. I think it's got the G on it. Um, <laughs> no G. Feel, feeling good, no G. Feeling good, guys. Um, <laughs> I, I know that that's yellow because it's in the yellow section. I've never read it, but that was another mum thing. You have a visual brain, don't yeah. you? Yeah, you, I think you, I must. It's, it's, yeah. Yeah. You, you see the, the things you remember, the things well. eventually. Yeah. Yes, the houses as yeah. well. Into the grey zone, a neuroscientist explores the border between life and death. Oh, yeah. So that I've, I'm really, well, I'm not quite as interested in this as I used to be, but I went through a phase of being very interested, for whatever reason, in reading about um, brain injuries. Uh, I think I might have watched a documentary about a brain injury and found it very fascinating, sort of... Um, it's not something you necessarily hear that much about. So sometimes I do that. I sort of re- bought that book and I think another one. Yeah. Um, um, this is going to hurt covers, which is brilliant by Adam Kate. Covers, not brain injuries necessarily, but that medical stuff that I also quite interested in. And there's another one called Do No Harm, which is yes. by uh, Henry Marsh. And that's um, it's a bit more about um, operations and stuff because he's a surgeon. And that's very good as well. I couldn't read it, but, it's a, but Henry Marsh is a, is a brain surgeon. And the stu- like, I've read about half that book and I have to sort of read mm. a chapter and then it's, just leave it. because it's, it's intense. It's very well written, isn't it? The, the so yeah, into the grey zone is... Oh. Sorry, go on. Well, the fragility of, of life, you read it in that, in that uh, book, like... There's this guy who's a brain surgeon and you think I'm in safe hands and he's kind of in this book going, mm, not so much. I'm just poking around with a scalpel, all yeah, the best. I, I'm a human being. I might not have had breakfast. <sighs> I know, I know. <laughs> so Into the Grey Zone is, I don't think you should read it. If you can't, <laughs> if you, that's my advice. Okay, I think good. it would probably be too much. But it's very interesting. It's about brain injuries and he talks about how... Um, a process was devised to sense whether people with severe brain injuries who were um, in an uncommunicative state could understand. And they put them into a thinker, some kind of scanner, a machine, and they asked them a question. And these are people who haven't been able to communicate with their families for years. They asked them a question. And if they imagine playing tennis, they can trace the brain activity. And that means yes. So it was... A, Absolutely, it was it. Cha- it was a game changer because they could ask them a question, and um, they asked them to imagine playing tennis. If the answer was yes, then they see this pattern. Something oh happens to your God. brain when you imagine playing tennis. You have to really imagine it. Amazing, wow. amazing. Fuck. What if you didn't like tennis? It's the only problem. Yeah. What if you're like, <laughs> I want to imagine playing football. <laughs> not everyone likes tennis. I mean, I, I love tennis. tennis. I'm surprised there aren't actually more tennis, per- not playing it, watching it, um, more um, tennis purchases oh. on my Amazon, actually. Have you read, and we've talked about this on the podcast before, and we're about to get into lockdown, by the way, just to end the podcast, we're going to just have a quick look through your lockdown purchases. Mm. Have you read the Andre Agassi Open? Book? No, but someone told me about it the other night, and I can't wait because there's a big revelation about his hair, isn't there? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. His hair... Stuck on with a, basically hope. That's all it was. It was. It's incredible. It's incredible. I used to really, really fancy Agassi. That was the thing. That was the year I really got into tennis was the summer of 92, I think. Mm, um, yes. And it was all Agassi, Ivan Isevich, um, yeah. Navratilova. 
That's when I fell in love with Jennifer Capriati. Oh, I've got, yeah, why not? I love oh. Jennifer Capriati. She was beautiful. Yeah. Bloody hellfire. I know. Bloody hellfire. Um, so July 2020, uh, the infant foot measurer. Love that. Getting the old, like, <laughs> I used to love that when I was a kid, going to Clark's. <laughs> Getting the oh, getting the foot measure. I know yeah, it's so much harder doing it at home. It, it, mm-hmm. You realise actually it's not that because it, also the one that I bought it was in like European measurements and yeah. so. It, <laughs> Great, you're thirty two. You're thirty two. Yeah. What, what, yeah. what, what, what I didn't even know. Yeah, yeah. That's why we had to leave Europe. The foot sizing alone. Oh, absolutely. Was yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> Uh, loads of great books as well. Nikki French, The Lying Room. She's brilliant. Lucy Foley. Oh, the brilliant Lucy Foley. The Guest List. That's a fantastic book. Yes, I only read thrillers in lockdown. Yeah, um, yes. So you'll see so many, probably so many orders. People like Liz Nugent and Erin Kelly, Nikki French. Um, mm, they're all Lisa brilliant. Lisa Jewell. He- Yes, oh, Lisa Jewel's fantastic as well. Yeah. You also bought um, a paddling pool, the obligatory paddling pools we all bought. Yeah, so lockdown. we don't have a garden, but we bought that because we were going on holiday to Berkhamstead, which people found funny because it's like a commuter <laughs> town. <laughs> so in that bit, we were allowed to go on holiday. <laughs> In 2020, we went to Berkhamstead um, to an Airbnb, which was like on a residential wow. road. That, and on the first night we were there, this couple from next door came and was like, oh, are you from Air? Are you the Airbnb people? The bins go out on a Tuesday. Like it was like a family road. It was it was lovely. And wow. we got one with a big garden because we don't have one. And that's why we bought the paddling pool. And then we gave it to the childminder when we came back because we were like, we're blatantly not going to set up the paddling pool in the living room. That I think this could be a thing, suburban tourism. Yeah. Well, we went because it's near my mum and it's near my sister. And it was like, and Berkhamstead is beautiful as well. Beautiful. Yeah. And, you know, I'm sure, you know, classic parking, great parking, great, great, great parking, transport links. Big oh. wide streets. Yeah, it's so good. It's so good. Um, all right. And let's just have a look at the last few things you've been buying, uh, Izzy. Uh, we have got Cool Runnings on Prime Video. Do you want to explain that? Yeah, that's Ellis. So Ellis... Uh, when Ellis buys things on Prime Video on the telly, it gets them from my account. So nice I see, I get generous. an email going, you have bought the best of Welsh football, 1982. <laughs> and I'm like, what? No, I haven't. Um, and he has to watch lots of sports things for his podcast. Yes, of course. Yeah. So Cool yes. Runnings, that's that's. Ellis is. is that a, that's a film, isn't it? Yeah, there's an expense. You know, the Socially Distant podcast, it's making a lot of money. There's yeah, no way he should he, be buying this off. paying for... Yes. And then when I do my tax, I have to list the things and sort of say, well, that yes. was Ellis's. Yeah. Okay, someone needs to sort out your admin. I know. Um, but it, listen, there's, there's so much glamour in your purchase history of late. Limescale and detergent remover for all... <laughs> washing machines and dishwashers. And this is what we want to find out about, you know, an iconic sitcom actor like yourself, Izzy. You know, even you have to clean a washing machine. Well, our washing machine broke in lockdown. Ugh. And um, it, it it flooded or it, it wouldn't open or something. Anyway, we had to get a guy to come in. And it was that real bit, you know, where it was like, do we need them to come in? Um, it's it's a, a very difficult time. No, he was supposed to come in the house. Anyway, he did. And we all wore masks and all that. And I remember it being a really big event because no one had been in the house for months. And he pulled the washing machine out and there was the Gareth Bale magnet under there. And I've been doing this thing every night. I don't do it so much anymore because we're not all in, called Sutty Sweep on Which Twitter. Is, I'm sorry, is the best thing on Twitter. Thank you very it's much. amazing. Please explain what that is at once. Well, every night, and this started in lockdown because we were all in all the time, um, I would sweep up what was on the kitchen floor and then I would take a photo of it. And I have never, <laughs> ever doctored it or moved anything Um that's my rule. Apart from once on the night that Dominic Cummings got found out with the Barnard Castle thing, I put a, a very good bit of satire in, in the form of an A4 <laughs> piece of paper with a message on it. Um, but that was very obvious. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't add anything to it. Um, and this Gareth Bale magnet kept getting swept up at the beginning of me posting these Sooty Sweet things. And then lots of fans of Sooty Sweet would be like, is the Gareth Bale magnet going to be in Sooty Sweet tonight? And I was like, I don't know, guys, you'll have to wait till midnight. Um, and um, then it just went missing. And everyone was like, where's Bailey? Where's Bailey? And I was like, it's gone. Bailey has gone. And then when the guy pulled out the washing machine, there it was, dusty, right under oh. the washing machine where my son must have pushed it under. So Can you imagine was... if the plumber was a fan of the sooty sweep? He'd oh have lost his God. mind. Oh, my God, you're so right. <laughs> yeah. No, he was a fan of limescale detergent. 
if you don't want this to happen again you have to which I have of course guess what Tom that's gone straight into the cupboard under the stairs and I've never done it never touched it since the joys of why we buy this stuff on Amazon okay final thing Izzy and I'm hoping that there's some gold here it might be something you bought for someone else this might be a dead end but I'm fascinated to see you have bought on uh, the 17th of September so a few weeks ago Ancestry DNA a genetic ethnicity test explain yourself Um, I did it I did the um I did the test and I sent it off and you have to spit into a test tube. Have you ever done it? No. You have to produce so much saliva. It's like ectoplasm or something. I was, I could not believe how much saliva you have to produce. It's like an inch of saliva in a Uh, test tube. uh, Yeah, uh, I know. It was gross. So you're sort of like, oh my God. God, uh, they better find out a lot of stuff for the amount I'm having to produce. Anyway, um, it was very interesting. I found out, I I knew that my family was Jewish on my mum's side, but they told me kind of where my ancestors came from. I obviously knew that dad was Scottish and I've got this, um, you know, half Scottish. But they told me again, you know, more details about which areas of Scotland. I found out that I'm 1% Welsh and 1% Irish. I was oh, like, wow. okay. Um, but most interestingly, it puts you, like, it gives you a list of loads of other people who share your DNA. It's really odd. So you've got all these second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, upwards cousins. Yeah. Oh. And I'd say that 90% of those relatives lived in Portland, Oregon. And I've got what? no idea why. This is amazing. I know. Also, Portland, Oregon, that's all full of. Hipsters. I mean, those are, those are your people, is it? Yeah. Literally. I need to go and go to them and get them to cook for me. God, this is incredible. <laughs> I, I know, love it's really, this. really weird. So I spent, oh. um, I spent kind of an hour or two just clicking through these names and going, you're in Portland, Oregon. You're in Portland, Oregon. It's really, really this interesting. This is so amazing. You know, yeah. one of the things we always try and do, we try and set out to do on this podcast, there's two things that we try and do on my Mebo Toaster. One is to encourage people not to buy all this crap on Amazon because we always go through stuff and think, mm. why did I buy all that stuff? Mm. That happens a lot. The second is to find out who you are. And literally, here we are at the end of the podcast <laughs> where we find out who you are. J- mission accomplished, Izzy. Mission yeah. accomplished. Yes. I love it. <laughs> um, one thing we haven't talked about, please, is your book. You have got a book out now. Let's give that a massive big fat oh, plug, thank please. You. Yes, um, I've got a book out called Jane is Trying um, and it is about a lady called Jane who is very anxious and very fun and uh, she lives in London, works in advertising, discovers that her fiancé has been having an affair, moves back to her hometown of Foley in the Peak District, which is not Matlock, but has some similarities to Matlock, where I'm from, and then kind of has to piece her life back together. And they're also yeah. trying for a baby. So the title has three nice. meanings. So she's trying nice. for a baby. She's yes. trying to change. And she can be a little bit trying. And I think Good. people at some, like people who've read it of my friends and sometimes be like, I was like shouting at the book going, come on, Jane, you can do it. But um, yeah, so. Uh, it was really fun to write. I'm ho- I think I'm hopefully going to write another another novel because I've really I enjoyed hope it. So it's done really well. I, I keep hearing brilliant things about it. That's mainly you retweeting praise, but that's fine. Yeah, listen, uh, you can retweet praise when it's a model. Listen, when you're dude, when you're a literary stop. champion, <laughs> never ever stop. The retweeting praise thing is so hard because I think the key is to quote tweet it, so you can mm. do a bit of a self-deprecating thing of like, can't believe that Paul <laughs> McCartney's just read little old me. Um, whereas if you literally just retweet, by the way, Paul McCartney probably hasn't read my book. I'm just using this as an example. I would love him to. If you literally just retweet Paul McCartney going, this book is great, I think that looks a bit like branding or whatever. It's so it's really weird, isn't it? It's kind of it's, very nuanced. Listen, the whole thing about retweeting praise is as long as it's done with, well, you do it with with 1% of your charm and it's absolutely fine. A little bit of charm, a little bit of self-deprecation. Use your, use your Welsh deprecation, that 1% of you that is a self-deprecating Welsh woman. <laughs> and... It's fine. It's allowable and it's lovely. And it is. it has done well. I'm so pleased to see it. And I hope you write more. Um, and always come on this podcast and tell us which house it's really set in. That's the most important oh, thing. Oh, yes, I will. I will. Izzy, thank you for coming on My Mabel Toaster. Hooray! Oh, thanks, Tom. That was so much fun. I loved it. Izzy Sutty. Hooray! 
Uh, that's it, guys. Thank you so much for listening. That is the end of this episode. Um, that is the end of this series as well of My Mate Bought a Toaster. Series for Done and Dusted. Planning to be back in the new year. Fingers crossed, touch wood. So I'll let you know more about that. Probably on the Twitters, at ToasterPod. And I'll chuck the odd bit of audio up here uh, if there is a new series coming. Which there will be a new series coming. Don't, don't ever doubt me, guys. There will be a brand new series. Uh, but I'll probably drop a trail on here when we are ready. Um, that's it, guys. Thank you so much for listening. As ever, thank you for all your lovely messages. It's always nice to hear from you. Um, thank you for all the people who have chipped in to all the various forms of donating money to this ridiculous podcast. It's really, really appreciated. Thank you, thank you, if you found time to do that. And uh, that's it. You're free to go about your lives. See you in 2022. Ooh. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.